We're in Psalm 12 today, if you didn't notice that earlier. In Psalm 12, if you'd like to follow along, if you get your Bible with you, if you want to use one of those Bibles in the pew in front of you, uh, Psalm 12 is on page 452, I believe. If you have a phone with you and you want to follow along using the Bible app, I always upload our notes, uh, my sermon text, and a few other texts to the Bible app, so if you can find that, you can follow along there. Psalm 12. We're in Psalm 12, so that means we have spent the last 12 weeks in the Psalms. We had one guest speaker in the midst of that, and I doubled up once and put two Psalms together. We spent the last 12 weeks in the Psalm, and for the most, for the most part, we've taken them as they come. We began with Psalm 1, and then we worked our way on, and that leads us to Psalm 12 today. That was not my intention. I didn't want to do that to you folks. You're too nice for that. I really wanted to start off with Psalm 1 to lay the groundwork, because Psalm 1 tells us why we have the book of Psalms, and then pick the fun ones. You know, I wanted to preach Psalm 133. I don't want to do this for 133 weeks, but I wanted to preach Psalm 133. And I wanted to preach some other ones that we love and psalms that are joyful and psalms that are happy and psalms that are wonderful and worshipful. But that's, that's not what we find at the beginning of the psalms. After we got done with Psalm 1, I looked at Psalm 2 and I said, we kind of need to hear that one. Why do the nations rage? Our nations rage. So we get to Psalm 3 and I thought, boy, we, we need that. And then Psalm 4, I said, okay, I'll do it for a month and then I'll break off. And, no, we needed Psalm 5, we needed Psalm 6. You know, if it were up to us, just let's admit it, if it was up to us, we'd pick nothing but happy songs for the radio. You know, we'd pick, we'd pick happy songs to listen to. We'd pick good days. We'd, we'd pick days where the weather was just right, the rain, rain was gone, and the, the sun was shining, the wind had a nice little breeze. We'd pick perfect days and perfect moments, but that is not life. And that's not honest. That's not real. And that is not what we see when we take the Psalms one by one by one. If you've been keeping track, out of the dozen that we've been through so far, only one psalm has been a psalm of praise. That is not very good odds. <laughs> only one has been a psalm of praise. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. Right? That's it. What do we see in the rest of them? Lord, the nations rage in Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? Psalm 3, O Lord, how many are my foes? Psalm 4, be angry, but do not sin. Psalm 5, Lord, consider my groanings. And then, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Lord, save me because these people are tearing me apart like lions. These songs are raw and honest. They, they address the reality of the pain that we have in our world. These psalms talk about hurts. The hurts that we have. Hurts that sometimes we don't share with others. Hurts that sometimes we keep to ourselves. Hurts because we've been hurt by friends. We've been hurt by family. We've, sometimes we've been hurt by God. And sometimes we don't share that because we think if I say it out loud, if I speak of my hurt, it somehow makes it real. And I don't want to do that. Hurt. Makes me think of Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash's last big hit was a song called Hurt. You ever heard it? I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain 
the only thing that's real. That song hurts. It wasn't actually written by Johnny. Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails wrote that song. And he, he first performed it, recorded it. And then Johnny Cash asked if he could re-record it, if he could do a version for his final album. Trent Reznor now says, that song doesn't belong to me. That song belongs to Johnny Cash. I can't sing it anymore. Because what Johnny brought to that song was not just the words of that song. He, he brought the, the age that that song needed. He brought his hurts to that. Johnny Cash brought his failing health to that song. You know, he recorded that song line by line. He would sing one line of it, I hurt myself today. And then he'd have to go rest for a while. He didn't have the breath to continue. He would have to go rest and come back and sing the next line. And that's how he recorded it. He recorded it with his failing health. He recorded it with the pain of losing his beloved wife, June. And all of that, all of that comes through the lyrics as he sings it. What have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end. And you could have it all, my empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. When you think about it, there's a lot of songs that we love that speak to our hurts. The songs that you play and you listen to over and over again, those songs that you listen to on those dark nights when no one else is around, they're not all happy songs. They're songs that speak to our hurts. They touch us and we listen to them over and over again. Those songs are raw and you feel the pain of them. They connect where we hurt. I know you want happy songs. I know you want them all to be like Psalm 23. You want them all to be like Psalm 8. You want happy psalms all the way through, but that's not honest. You need the psalms to be raw. And you realize when, when somebody put this collection together of 150 psalms that you and I have in our Bibles today, when someone put this collection together for Israel, ultimately for us, the ancients who read these psalms, psalms like Psalm 12, they said, that is how I feel. And this means that God hears me even when I hurt. Even when people hurt me. Even when those I should trust. Those who should be caring for me. Even when they hurt me. God knows my hurt and He speaks to my hurt. Psalm 12, verses 1 and 2. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of men. Everyone utters lies to his neighbors with flattering lips. And double hearts, they speak. Everyone utters lies to his neighbors. Boy, that line could have been written today. You've heard that. You've felt that. You've been hurt by that. David is pouring out the pain of the world that we still live in. A world of big talk and little people. Big talk and little people. It's not difficult at all to read that description from David and hear 
the world that we live in. A world of talk and promises. A world with lies and flattery and empty speech just to get people on your side. Those who speak from a double heart, David says. I love how Eugene Peterson in his paraphrase the message, how he puts that verse. Peterson writes, lies slide off their oily lips. They double talk with forked tongues. When was this written? Was this written today? Who is this written about? It could have been now. It could have been today. What we've got here is big talk from small people who make promises they don't plan on keeping. You look at the descriptions given to the speech. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Neighbors, people we should protect. People we should care for. Flattering lips that twist the truth. And then you get on into verses 3 and 4. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. Well, that's an image right there, isn't it? May the Lord cut off all flattering lips. The tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are with us. Who will be master over us? With our tongues we prevail. Not with hearts that care. For our neighbors, not with a community that's built on kindness. I think Jesus was addressing this when he said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It sounds like today. And I tell you, as I read through this psalm this week, there were many times when I read it and I said, I'd like to point my finger at that person. <laughs> I'd like to point my finger, not you, Shirley, I'd like to point my finger over there, those people over on that side. Well, that sounds like this person. That's how, you pick your favorite public figure, you pick your least favorite politician, and you can say, boy, that sounds a lot like him, doesn't it? But this psalm's not about politicians. You notice that, right? As much as I'd love to read it that way, as much as I would love to read it that way and say, that guy's the problem, that guy's the problem, look at it again. This psalm is about neighbors. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. I want to remind you what the Bible says about your neighbors. The Bible says you're supposed to care for your neighbors. The Bible tells you that you're supposed to, to, to be committed to your neighbors. You're supposed to be kind to your neighbors. The Bible says you're supposed to love your neighbors as you love yourself. As much as I'd love to blame politicians in Washington or Springfield, this psalm's about you and me. And now sometimes, instead of having hearts that care for those closest to us, we just got big talk. And people keep on hurting. Johnny had that line in the song, Hurt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. David wrote this. Let me remind you of who David is. He is the man after God's own heart. He is... He is supposed to be the, the anointed one. He is supposed to be this godly man. And yet in this song, David has reduced the population of the faithful down to one person. The godly one is gone. And now that one person is gone. And the question is, do our words mean anything to our neighbors? Our neighbors know that we're Christians, right? I mean, our neighbors know that we go to church. Our neighbors know that, we, that we're faithful. Our neighbors know that we pray. They know that we post things online every now and then to say, you know, if you love Jesus, you're going to share this. You know, I'm, I'm sharing this because I love... They know we do those things. Do those words translate into actions? 
Do those words become the care that our neighbors need? And what David is showing us about the people closest to us is that the hurting don't need empty promises. We need words that can be trusted. David cries out, the godly one is gone. If we make it to Psalm 14, you'll hear that again, by the way. Psalm 14 begins with those words. Psalm 14 begins with those words, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And then it continues and says, there is none that do good. That's not just an indictment against the fool who says there is no God. There is none who does good, he says there. That is not just a statement about, uh, about our character. It's not just a statement that tells us why we need a Savior because we're not righteous. We can't do it ourselves. It's a statement that tells us the reality that there are people in this world who don't get cared for. And so, with everyone uttering lies to his neighbors, God shows up. And God says, I'll do it. I'll defend them. I'll defend your neighbors. I'll take care of them. I'll care for the hurting. Verse 5, because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. I hope you hear something of Jesus in that verse. I hope you can hear Jesus in that one. God sees the hurting. He hears the groaning. And the defender of the defenseless, the Savior of all, He shows up. He steps in. He offers Himself. But here in Psalm 12, it's not just because you've sinned, therefore you need a Savior. I've sinned and I need a Savior. It's because of the empty words of, of those in leadership and, and the, the hypocritical hearts that have not cared for their neighbors because they haven't stepped in and helped. Verse 6 hits us with a contrast. It contrasts the emptiness of our words with the purity of the Word of God. Verse 6, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Any assurance we find is not going to be in our words. Any assurance we find is going to be in the proven truth of God's Word, that it is true, that it is trustworthy, that his, He keeps His promises like silver refined seven times, heated again and again and again and again until there is no impurity. Now compare that with what he says about our promises. He says everyone lies to his neighbor. We flatter. We boast. We think with our tongues we will prevail. In other words, we can talk ourselves out of just about anything. But the Word of the Lord stands forever. And so this psalm confronts us. It confronts our speech and it leaves us asking which of these two modes of speech best reflects who we are? Where do we line up with what we've heard? What are we about? Which one sounds like us? Are we just talk or are we standing firm on the Word of God? What do our neighbors hear from us? You know, some of us do a really good job of, of defending our favorite politicians. We do a very good job of defending our politicians and siding with a particular party. And others of us are really loud in decrying the, the other guy. And there's no promise in either one of those. And I'll tell you, your neighbor doesn't sleep any better knowing your political opinion. <laughs> it doesn't help your neighbor sleep better. Nobody's, nobody's better off because you voted a, a certain way. The, the hurting are cared for when our speech 
When the speech of God's people begins to look like and sound like the heart of God, when it begins, when the things that we say are beating with the heart of God, and when we act on the Word of God, when you and I put flesh and bone, put our flesh and bone to the Word of God, and we do something with it, we help someone with it. David begins with the cry that the godly are gone, and in, the, in their absence, the needy groan. Hollow promises aren't feeding anyone, so what can we do? We can act on the promises of God. And rather than lies and flattery and boasting, this psalm hits us, and it calls us to choose words that your neighbor can trust. It begins with words. Words that are trustworthy. Not just words that are true. Words that are trustworthy. What do those words say? And again, hear the contrast between the lying lips of the wicked. Verse 4, those who say with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are with us. Who is master over us? With our tongues we will prevail. And then the proven Word of God, pure, refined, tested in the fire seven times. What does that tell us? Tested in the fire seven times. It tells us that the Word of God always works. It always does what it says. You can try it again and again and again and it will always work. It's not just that the Word of God endures, but it's able to endure because it's backed up with, with actions. The Word of God is, is backed up with godly actions because it's been tried again and again and again and the result is kindness. The result is love. The result is care for your neighbor. So that when Jesus is asked about the Word of God and a man says, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus tells him a story about a, a certain Samaritan who, who meets a guy who's been beaten half to death and that Samaritan helps him out and cares for him. And Jesus saying, which commandment's most important? How do you know? He says, which man was a neighbor to him? The one who helped him. The one who proved the worth of the Word of God with his actions. And so the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in verse Four, or chapter 4, verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth to his neighbor. For we are all members one to another. The antidote to our big talk is putting our love to work, caring for neighbors, coming alongside those who are hurting, offering support, offering help, and offering ourselves so that the words we use reflect the heart of the God who is willing to come down because He hears the cries of the groaning. I have to say, I'm frustrated with Psalm 12. <laughs> uh, psalm 12 is frustrating because you get to the end of this psalm and there's no resolution. You get to the end of this psalm and there's no happy day. There's no they lived happily ever, ever after at the end of this psalm. You know, a lot of the songs that we listen to, popular songs we listen to, a lot of songs don't have happy endings either. I can... Stand here and name song after song with no happy ending. In fact, Johnny Cash's song, Hurt. You get to the end, guess what? It still hurts. <laughs> it hurts all the more. And here at the end of Psalm 12, the wicked are still present. Verse 8, on every side the wicked prowl and vileness is exalted among the children of man. The wicked still prowl. The lying liars are still lying. But the poor and the needy the neighbors, the ones who groan, verse 7 says, you, O Lord, will keep them. And you will guard us. He finally makes it personal there. You will guard us from this generation forever. 
God doesn't abandon them. He keeps them. He guards us. And we stand on His Word. And because we stand on His Word, our neighbors, the people who we care for, those who hurt, they see and they know the love of God. We can say a lot of good words. We can be known for saying a lot of good things. We can also be known for saying words that divide us. We can also be known for saying words that hurt. The call from God is, is a call for those who hear the groanings of the hurting. The call from God is that we hear their groanings, that we choose His words. Peter, writing about a thousand years later, in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, Peter writes this, "...having purified your souls by, by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love." This is what he calls us to do. "...love one another earnestly from a pure heart." Pure. Tested seven times in the fire. "...love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding..." Word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of, of grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And then Peter says, and this Word is the good news that was preached to you. Where does it remain? It remains in you. It remains in you. It changes you. And the Word of God meets the needs of those around us as we prove the worth of His Word and as we prove His love. Our love for God and our love for them and words that our neighbors can trust. There are plenty of people in this world who seek to hurt us with their words. There are people in this world who would seek to destroy us by their words, who by their words would make you feel unworthy, who would make you feel unlovely and unloved, who by their words would seek to ruin our reputations, who by their words would seek to, to break our hearts. And I know some of you have felt that. I know I've felt it. It hurts. Words hurt. But this psalm also has us crying out to God to save us from doing the same to other people. It recognizes that our words could hurt others. Our tongues are just as prone to lies. We need rescued not just from the words of others, but the psalm tells us we need rescued from our own words. So how does God rescue us? He brings us into relationship with each other, with our neighbors, sure. And He brings us into relationship with the Word of God. Jesus. He is the One who has heard our groans. And He is the One who arises and gives Himself to us. He is the One who fills your life with His life and fills your heart with His love and, and with His Word. So that we can say what Peter said to Jesus. Lord, where else can we go? Because You have the words of eternal life. And if the word of life, if the word of life that we speak in that love pours out for our neighbors, then our neighbors will know his love. And they will know his presence. And they will know that we care. It's a tough psalm. Psalm 42 is, if, if I had my choices, I, we, we would have got to Psalm 42 eventually. Psalm 42, as the deer pants, it's a, it's a lovely image and it makes for a great song. 
And I'm glad somebody wrote a song for Psalm 42. I don't think a lot of people have written songs about Psalm 12. I've heard one in, in all of my study of this. I've heard one song about Psalm 12. Psalm 42 reminds us that even those far away, even those who have run far and far away from that place of safety and that place where they're loved, they, that the Word of God finds them. The love of God finds them. And it's a reminder to us of the One who has given His all for us and that to Him alone we find our hope. To Him alone we find our life. I'm going to pray. <laughs> then we're going to sing. And we'll take the word or take the take the Lord's Supper together. Let's let's pray. Father, I thank you that you hear us. Lord, there are elements of Psalm 12 that I know I have felt. And I know my friends have felt. And I fear that our neighbors have felt them, whether they would identify them or not. But those that we've been called to love, those who very often we we don't even see their hurts, I know they felt it as well. Thank You that in Your love for us, You sent Your Son, that You heard the cries, the groaning, and You came. And I thank You that in Your love, You send us. Lord, today we... We take this bread. We take this cup. It's a reminder to us of the presence of Jesus in our hearts, in our lives, and in our fellowship and in in the love that we have for one another. Lord, I pray that that doesn't remain in us, but that we spread that love around, that our neighbors know the truth of who You are and the trustworthiness of Your Word because we've lived it for them. Because, Because of Your Word, we have loved them and we've cared for them. Bless this time as we take together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.